Today's gospel lesson and the words of our sermon text, Mark chapter 9, verses 42 through 50. Jesus said to each of us, Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to fall into sin, it would be better for him if he were thrown into the sea with a large millstone hung around his neck. If your hand causes you to fall into sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and go into hell into the unquenchable fire where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your foot causes you to fall into sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and be thrown into hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your eye causes you to fall into sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good. But if the salt loses its flavor, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. What, in your opinion, is the most memorable thing that Jesus ever said? Was it maybe, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Was it maybe Jesus saying, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Or was it something that Jesus said from the cross? Was it, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing? Or I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Or those final beautiful words, it is finished. The most memorable thing that Jesus ever said. I'm guessing that have salt in yourselves, didn't make your list. Have salt in yourselves. What what does that even mean? And honestly, that's not what jumps out at you initially from these words of our text, right? It's tucked in kind of at the end of the text, and it's overshadowed by those strong statements of Jesus about cutting off hands and feet and plucking out eyes. But here's the thing, I believe that that imperative from the Lord Jesus, have salt in yourselves, is the key to understanding the rest of what he says to you here in these verses this morning. Let's find out why. Jesus says, for everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. So let's start with the obvious question. What is this salt that Jesus is telling us to have in ourselves? It's obviously a word picture, right? It's a figure of speech. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 in his Sermon on the Mount? 
He, he looked at those who believed in him and he said to them, you are the salt of the earth. But here in this text, Jesus is not talking about people. He's talking about a thing, salt. And he's talking about what, that thing that he wants people to have in themselves. And notice he's not talking to the world in general. In context here, he is talking to his 12 disciples. And you take all of that into consideration, and you notice the context in which Jesus speaks these words. And I think it's best to understand that the salt that the Lord Jesus is referring to here is the Word of God, the Bible. Have that Word of God in yourselves. Know what the Bible says. Remember what it teaches. Recall what it promises. Have salt in yourselves. That's what Jesus says to us his disciples today. That powerful word of God, the Bible, firmly planted in the hearts and minds of his people, functions within us like salt. How so? Well, there was a time when salt was used as a disinfectant. Time was when people would actually rub salt in their wounds. Before antibiotic ointment or hydrogen peroxide, a person may have applied salt to a wound. It wasn't pleasant. It didn't feel good. It burns. It stings. Notice that Jesus here talks about being salted with fire. Listen, when God's Word functions properly, I mean, when we turn to God's Word and use it properly, we don't merely reach out for those words that are happy and familiar and comforting, we embrace all of God's word. And here in the Bible, comes, God comes to us and he confronts us with the law, with what he wants us to do and not to do. And as he confronts us with that law, it convicts us of our sin. He shows us here in brutal honesty that we have sinned against him. And that salt of the law of God stings and it burns as it shows us our self-centeredness and our arrogance, our sinful pride, our lustfulness and our envy, our greed, our, our coldness. God's word confronts us and convicts us of our sin. And that stings, that burns. Have salt in yourselves. But he comes to us in the law to show us our need for a Savior. You should also know that salt in ancient times was used as a preservative. Before the days of refrigerators and, and freezers, you packed perishable food with salt to keep it from spoiling and, and becoming rotten. Have salt in yourself. Now, now think. This word of God, this gospel, which points your sin-broken heart to Jesus and all that he did for you at the cross, and how he paid for all of those sins there, will preserve your faith. It will keep you close to Jesus. It will keep you from straying from him in unbelief. Have salt in yourself, Jesus says to you, dear believer, because he doesn't want you to perish. He doesn't want you to lose out on everlasting life in his heaven. He wants you to be preserved and kept in the one true faith. And then as you sprinkle that salt of the Word of God that you have in yourselves, 
as you live your life out in the world, you will help your fellow believers to be preserved in the faith too, to keep them close to Jesus. And now with all of that in mind, now let's go back to the rest of what Jesus says here in these verses. He says, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to fall into sin, it would be better for him if he were thrown into the sea with a large millstone hung around his neck. Those are strong words. Jesus is impressing on us how desperately he wants people to be saved. And he begins here with other believers. He talks about little ones. That certainly would apply to little believing children, right? That's an encouragement to us as parents to watch the way that we speak and act around our children, to watch the words that we use. Let them see you making worship and word and sacrament a priority in your life. Let's be careful not to do, say things or to do things or to model things for them that would be harmful to their faith or to give them the wrong impression. The Lord says in Ephesians chapter 6 to parents to bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. But I don't think this applies only to little children. Might not the Lord also here have in mind someone who is new to the faith or someone who is weak in the faith regardless of their age? He wants us to be careful. He wants us to not offend other believers and to lead them away from Christ. We want to be careful about how we act and how we speak so that we don't damage someone else's faith by giving them the wrong impression of what it really means to be a follower of Jesus. We want to be careful not to speak to our brothers and sisters in the faith with such rudeness and such cruelty and such viciousness that they want nothing more to do with the body of Christ. Lord, mercifully preserve us from all of that. And how will that happen? By having salt in yourselves, by staying in the Word of God, by patterning your words and your attitudes and your actions after those of your loving Father in heaven. Just how serious is Jesus about wanting you to spend forever with him in heaven? So serious that he warns you not to do anything to cause others to sin, and so serious that he also doesn't want you to be lost to sin. So serious, he tells you in these remarkable and memorable words, that you should rather go without hands or feet or eyes than to stray from him in rebellious sin. Remember the name Aaron Ralston? He made a movie about him called 127 Hours. Aaron Ralston is the young man who was hiking in some Utah canyons back in 2003, and as he was hiking, a large boulder shifted and it trapped his arm. Hour after hour, he tried everything he could think of to free his arm. For five days, he found himself literally stuck between a rock and a hard place. But nothing worked. And so five days into his ordeal, he did the unthinkable. He amputated his own arm and saved his own life. 
Can you even begin to imagine what an agonizing decision that have to have had to have been? Could you imagine cutting off your own arm? I can't. And yet, Jesus says to you here, if your hand causes you to fall into sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and go to hell with, into the unquenchable fire where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your foot causes you to fall into sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and be thrown into hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your eye causes you to fall into sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Friend, does Jesus really want you to cut off your hand if it reaches out to take something that isn't yours? Or if it reaches for something that you have sinfully become addicted to? Or if you make a, a hateful fist at someone with whom you're very angry? Does Jesus really want you to cut off your foot if it's taking you to a place that you should not go or refusing to take you to a place that you should go? Does Jesus really want you to pluck out your eye that looked lustfully at someone else or that watched something that you shouldn't have watched or that looked with glee as someone you don't care for suffered through some misfortune? No. Clearly, Jesus is using hyperbole here. But please, don't let that soften the seriousness of the warning that he's issuing you here. Jesus is telling you that's how determined you need to be in your struggle against sin. That anyone or anything that is driving a wedge between you and faith in Jesus needs to go. Why? Well, because he doesn't want you to get lost in sin. He doesn't want you to stray from him. He doesn't want you to lose your salvation and end up in hell. Yes, there's a hell. There are a lot of churches today that are shying away from saying that Jesus didn't. In fact, three times in a row, here in our text, Jesus makes plain that hell is real and that it's a really dreadful place. So before you head home and start amputating, where's that going to stop? Because finally, wouldn't we have to tear out our hearts? That's where our sinful desires originate. Wouldn't we have to amputate our heads because there's sinful thoughts there? See, friends, it's not amputation that we need. It's redemption and salvation. Praise God with me today that in Christ Jesus, that is exactly what we have. The Bible says that in him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't want you to perish. And so he gave himself for you at the cross. He bore your sins, your shame, your guilt. And talk about cutting off. For a time there at the cross on Good Friday, the Lord Jesus was cut off from his own heavenly Father, as he suffered the full torment of hell in our place,
so that we would never have to be cut off from God. Jesus never sinned, and Jesus never led anyone else to sin. In fact, he lifted your sin from you, and he put it willingly on himself, became sin for us, the Bible says. He couldn't bear the thought of you being banished to hell, and so he suffered hell in your place at the cross. Believer, that is the salt, that word of God, that truth, that pearl of gospel wisdom that you are forgiven and that you are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It's that salt that he wants you to have within yourself and to never lose it. To never let it lose its saltiness by watering his word down to fit your desire. By never letting it lose its saltiness by setting God's word aside or ignoring it or refusing to apply it to your heart and your life, but to have that word of God within you, in your life, on your mind, to preserve you in faith, to lead you to repentance and salvation day after day. Have salt in yourselves. So let the word convict you of your sin. Let it show you just how desperately you need this Christ. Let it lead you to the cross. Let it point you to the heaven that Christ Jesus has won for you. Let it lead you to treasure all of your fellow believers and to love them and to serve them as God has loved and served you in Christ Jesus. Let it lead you to value your coming life in heaven. It's yours because Christ won it for you. He has saved you from that horrible, dreadful hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. He saved you from that when he took your place at the cross. Let this salt that you have in yourself lead you to get rid of anything that may keep you from that promised gift called heaven. Have salt in yourselves. Amen.